Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Yo ho, yo ho, the pirate's life for me. Drink up, me heart is your ho. Drink up, me heart is your ho. You always know so many more words than I do. Well, I have worked on like me. I don't know how many pirates movies. I worked on the first one, and then I worked on four, and now five. So, all the best ones. The first one. First one is definitely the best one, I think. Anyway, it's kind of hard to argue that, I think. Welcome to the Command Zone. How's it going, guys? My name is Jimmy Wong. How's it? Uh, I'm Josh Lee Kwai. I pointed at myself. I screwed this all up. (laughs) How's it? I'm Josh Lee Kwai. I'm Josh Lee Kwai. Do you guys see the how's it sign right there? How's it? Spoiler alert. Or (laughs) Easter egg alert. Easter egg? Yeah, it's definitely an Easter egg. Spoiler alert. It's not really a spoiler. (laughs) Josh Lee Kwai says this at the beginning of every show. What? Spoiler alert? No, how's it? How's it? (laughs) Let me share a spoiler alert, too. I don't know the We're last time you said that, We're a brilliant too. start. As usual. Um, this is episode 116. We are almost to 200, you know? Oh, we are? <laughs> I mean, we're closer than when we were at zero. Yeah, it's true. We were closer than last week as well. That's so, a good point. The eternal struggle to climb as well. To uh, 200. Yeah, and eternal it is because we're also talking about Ailey, the eternal pilgrim today, and our magnificent return to Deck Doctors. Do you know that it's been one year almost exactly since we did a Deck Doctors episode? <laughs> Whoops. Which, if there's a type of episode we get asked to do the most... Oh, by far. It's Deck Doctors. In fact, we did a poll on Twitter asking, like, what are the types of Command Zone episodes that everyone likes the most? And it was, like, Deck Breakdown, Level Up, Special Guests. Um, deck one, Doctors. Deck was Breakdown there. was the oh, same. Deck Breakdown, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I forget. There was four options, but mm-hmm. deck breakdown was like 50% of the vote. Took it, it a, in a landslide. It was a dominant part of the field. Yeah. Funny. So we have listened to your pleas, and we are going to do a deck doctor on Ailey the Eternal Pilgrim. But first, we need to mention our sponsor, Card Kingdom. Card Kingdom. <laughs> Dot com. We got to work on that harmony. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll practice it for next time. I'll, uh, I'll have a little... Doop. All right. Dot I've been com. ordering tons of stuff from Card Kingdom lately. Really? Yeah, just because Eldritch Moon came out, and mm-hmm. then, you know, there was that whole, like, reserve list scare, kind of. So I decided to order a bunch of stuff that way. The scare of 2016. Then we talked about the Super Friends deck, and spoiler alert... You're building one? 
I started to, yeah. So I ordered some. Let's go. I might have ordered an Angus McKenzie. Oh, may, may or may not have. That one's for Wedge. Uh, that's for you, Wedge. Um, anyway, so as we've done in the past, we're actually going to read some listener-submitted praise for Card Kingdom. Do you want to take this long one, or do you want me to? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. Mitchell uh, started his off with two things. One. I was rolling my eyes as the episode started and you were talking about your new sponsor. Then you said Card Kingdom. Then I was stoked. I'm really happy about this. It's where I order all my singles. They are super fast and price great. I would say they're even conservative when it comes to grading. Cards are, cards are always in better shape than expected. They're awesome and I think it's absolutely great they're sponsoring the podcast. I even set up a Twitter account for the first time ever to say as much. Mitchell, thanks, man. They he, Listen to that. He said they're even conservative when it comes to grading cards are always in better shape than expected that's really sweet actually because i've seen a lot of people say like i sent my cards into x and so and so and they came back like they wouldn't buy them even though i thought they were near mint they said they were like you know slightly played or whatever and i looked at them and they weren't yeah i've got gotten cards i'm sure you have where Mm -hmm. you order them through other services and they come and you know this is supposed to be near mint. This is like moderate play. Or yeah, like, you turn it around, there's just nicks all over the back. You're like, wait a second. Yeah, or it's supposed to be light play, and it's just like, you know, there's like one of the corners is ripped a little. It's like, that's not light play. <laughs> what are you talking about? So that's it's lightly a, torn. That's a really good thing about Card Kingdom is you can really trust that the cards are going to come in the condition that you order them. If you order near mint, it's going to be near mint. Yeah. You know, and Mitchell even says it will sometimes exceed your expectations, which is. I mean, that's just a great thing to say about any company that's dealing with cards. Yeah, and obviously it shows. I mean, that's why they have such a nice store as well. It's because they care about their product that you can see in the store and the experience you get there, and they take that level of quality to their online store as well. So can't praise Card Kingdom enough. You can make sure to also sponsor the, help sponsor the podcast by going to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. That way they'll just know that you're there from us. And then whenever you order anything off the site or do any sort of browsing around, they can sort of track it and you know be like, oh, cool, these guys came from the command zone. Oh, look, they're buying all those commander products. That is honestly the best way that you can support the podcast. Another way you can support the podcast, though, is by giving us an iTunes review. Review. We do this a couple times a year where we ask, we reach out and we ask people, uh, if you haven't already filled out a review on iTunes for the podcast, even if you uh, watch on YouTube, you can still go to iTunes and give us a review. It does help out the show, helps sort of uh, increase awareness on iTunes for us, and it just looks good when we're going to places like Card Kingdom and Mm -hmm. Wizards and whatnot. Um, We did want to, this is what we usually do, uh, read one of the reviews and give prizes away to the reviewer. Surprise giveaway. Surprise, prize giveaway. So we're going to give me, some me, Eldritch me, me, Moon packs. Me. <laughs> it's been a while. To um, this reviewer, it is Positivity311. So Positivity311, please. This person does radiate positivity as well. So I mean, I'm feeling it from the page. <laughs> so that's, that's how nice. much positivity there is. Positivity311, please send us your uh, mailing address to commandcast at rocketjump.com, and we will send out your packs. Here's the review. It's titled Best in Class, five stars. This podcast ranks at the top of every category for me. Content, relevant, and well-planned. Sound quality, top-notch. Hosts, smart, funny, polite, great synergy. Guests, again, top-notch. Schedule, weekly. Jimmy and Josh are pros. End of discussion. Woof. I... (laughs) I don't take compliments lightly. I'm I'm always just like, yeah, that's so nice. But like, really, the credit goes to so and so because I love deflecting. Uh, this is making me 
You can deflect it to me. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. He put my name first when he said Jimmy. It was not Josh and Jimmy. It was Jimmy and a good point. A good Alphabetically, point. though, it's correct. So. <laughs> uh, positivity 311. Thank you very much. Again, send us your mailing address. Um, that's what we do. If you do an iTunes review from time to time, we're just going to look through them, pick a random person, read it on the show, and send you some prizes. So, yeah, even if the random person says one star, I mean, we'll probably read it and cry tears of shame. Yeah, you got to give us five stars. <laughs> Let's be honest. No, I mean, honestly, don't just give us five stars if you don't feel that way. Like, any criticism is usually welcome because we're always trying to improve the show for you guys. And maybe you'll adjust that rating to a five star later on. Right? <laughs> okay. That's the goal. All right. Um, anyway, uh, Positivity 311 said, relevant and well-planned. Josh actually planned this episode out. It is our first Deck Doctor since August 6th, 2015, when we did Rith the Awakener, which was also, I believe, your Deck Doctor. True. You'd done Corona right before that. Corona. This means that the person whose deck this is, you're going to receive a pack of the dark. We have one left. You're the last one. That doesn't mean we're going to stop doing the Deck Doctor. So what's going to happen you, is we're just sure? going to give away something else. Are you sure it won't be another year? It will not be another year. I can, I'll can. i make that promise right now. I know people like these. Um, yeah. They are a lot of work, so we can't do them as often. It it takes hours and hours to do this, but we know people like them, and they're fun to do when we have the time. So luckily... Mm-hmm. Uh, you did this one. I'll probably end up doing the next one. All right, deal. All right. Deal. Signed on the contract. Verbal agreement. Jimmy has to do the next one. Uh, we chose Ailey the Pilgrim, and this is a deck from Alex Jones, who's at Thor's Ukulele. It's ukulele, everybody. It's not ukulele. Just mm. FYI. Um, he says, I'm very new to EDH and MTG in general. I could use a lot of help. And then sent the link. So, Alex, here we go. Ooh, very exciting. So here is Ailey, the Eternal Pilgrim. Um, now, we've done this before. We talked about Ailey and did sort of a speed build on our 100th episode that we did live on air. Um, but it was not the best list we've ever made. <laughs> it was not... Good. I think we had extra planar lens in there for no reason still at the end. It was um, really hard building it live, okay? It's true. It's very true. Um, so congrats, Alex. You've won our last pack of the dark, so make sure you send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com with your mailing address. And with that, we're going to move on to our Deck Doctors segment. I'm really excited to get a second shot at Ailey because we really screwed it up the first time. As far as like <laughs> actual viable deck, it was fun doing it live with everybody. Um, Anyway, you want to read Ailey? Yes. So Ailey is uh, Ailey, Eternal Pilgrim. She is a white and a black, so two CMC for a legendary creature, Core Cleric 2-3. She's got a lot of text. The first is that she's got Death Touch, and she has two activated abilities. The first one, you pay one of any color to sacrifice another creature, and then you gain life equal to the sacrificed creature's toughness. Her second ability is one of any color and black and white. Sacrifice another creature, exile, target, non-land, permanent. Activate this ability only if you have at least 10 life more than your starting life total. What do we think of her? Again. She is strong. She doesn't seem broken, but Mm -hmm. it seems like these are good abilities. Um, You know, what springs to mind when you see her, like, automatically, like, what kind of deck or, or what do you think of? Uh, I imagine something that involves being able to pillow for it a little bit, because if you're going to have to be at 50 life, to make this deck really hum and do what it's supposed to do, then it means that people are going... I mean, like, people know what's going to happen when you get to 50 life. So it's a very obvious sort of like, hey, guys, I'm doing this thing here, so you're going to have to figure out how to make sure you're always above 50 life. Yeah, I think that's the first thing. The deck is going to need to be above 50 life because if you're at 49 life, well, then you're only... You only have access to one out of her two abilities, so she's half as good, right? Mm -hmm. You can only sacrifice things to gain life. You can't do the... 
you know, uh, exile target non-land permanent by sacrificing one of your own creatures. Um, the other thing I think of is like, well, I'm going to have to have some creatures to sacrifice, mm -hmm. both to gain life, but mostly because once I have 50 life, I want to be able to just start mowing down non-land permanents. And if I don't have creatures that I want to sacrifice, that's not really going to happen. Yeah. And so, it's such a cheap cost to do it as well that you may be doing this multiple times a turn. It's basically like you have unlimited anguish unmakings, but it doesn't do three damage to you. Yeah, pretty good. So it's really good. Um, there's basically two ways I would go with that, right? Either I want a lot of creatures or I want creatures that are sort of recursive on their own mm -hmm. so that I know that each creature I sack, I can maybe sack it twice. Maybe it's got persist or undying or some other mechanic that allows it to, because just having a creature out, sacking it and killing a non-land permanent, exiling a non-land permanent, mm -hmm. not that great. It's a one for one. So I need to be doing better than that. I need to have like something that makes five tokens and then I can, now I can shoot down five things with that one card that made five tokens. Yep. And the token is not as much as a full card as well. So, um, and then the big question I ask is, Okay, well, how do we win? What do we need? You blow know, up, blow up the world. Yeah. What? What does? It, that's a, just a big question. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Just how does the deck win? Um, and then, yeah, what does the deck need? And what does Ailey already take care of? So, for one thing, she's a two drop. And when we had Kessler on uh, a long time ago, he mm -hmm. made a really good point, which is in Commander, there's this when you're talking about curve in Commander one of your slots can just automatically be filled in. Because when you're building a normal deck in like limited mm -hmm. or standard, you, you need like, you know, eight two drops and 10 three drops. drops, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. In Enough to make sure that you can curve out, which is play something on two, three, four, five. Right. And your opponent can't really do anything about that. And that's basically odds, right? You're saying, well, if I have eight two drops, then my odds of drawing one in my opening seven is X. Mm -hmm. And so then I can, I have a, good likelihood of hitting a two drop on turn two. Well, in commander, if your commander is a two drop, then you know you have a two drop to play every game. And so you don't need your two drop slot in your 99 to be as robust mm -hmm. because you always have a turn two play. So that's very strong, especially with the few commanders that are down in the you know one, two, three range. Um, the other thing is that she takes care of a couple of things. As a result of being played on turn two and having death touch, you don't need early defense as much mm -hmm. as maybe some other decks would have. You have a 2-3 Death Toucher out in play most games. That's going to deter a lot of early aggression that's going to come your way. Yeah, and people aren't going to be like, well, I'm just going to attack so that they're forced to block or whatever because you could just choose not to block, leave them open. And also, because she's a 2-drop, she only costs 4 the second time you cast her. Exactly. So. It feels really bad if I get a creature out early that does anything, and it's commander, so nobody's playing early creatures that are just like 2-1s. They're mm -hmm. always pretty good. And so you just may as well attack somebody that doesn't have a creature rather than like they're going to trade probably with their Ailey because they don't lose a card. They just have to cast her again at four mana. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really good for deterring early aggression, I think. And then she's got single target removal built in. So like I said, you basically have unlimited anguish on making. It's not unlimited. You need to sacrifice a creature to do it. But yeah. that means your deck needs less single target removal. It's still going to run a few key pieces. But it doesn't mean that you need to have like, oh, I got to make sure I'm playing Anguished Unmaking. And yeah, you don't even need Anguished Unmaking. You already have that. And all that stuff. Yeah, it seems like in this color pair, black-white, you would want Utter End and Anguished Unmaking. But Ailey's already doing that. And that's your commander that you always have access to. So you don't need those cards as much. So those are some things that, you know, I would think about when evaluating any 
any commander is, mm-hmm. is just to sort of go down that list. Okay, well, what's the card doing? What's it want me to do? And then what bases is it covering? So I don't need to worry about those as much when I'm building the deck. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, and we should probably note that we're going to do this deck talk just a little differently than we've done in the past, both to make it slightly easier on us and also because we think this is more helpful. Yeah. Um, uh, was well, before we've done the before and after deck lists on Tapped Out, and so we've actually built a full deck after we deck doctors it, saying like, and these are the exact 99 cards I would mm-hmm. put in there. Um, we're not going to do that. We're going to put the before deck, Alex's deck, in the show notes, and then we're also going to put a list, and it'll say what cards we think we should take out, and then a whole bunch of things that we think might be added in, but not a full list of after, because... Like, I'm not going to have played this deck. Jimmy's not going to have played this deck. So this is still in the area of it's a jumping off point to a jumping off point, right? Alex has his deck. We're saying, okay, just from looking at it, we think this is how it could be improved. But then it's going to take, you're going to have to play the deck to really refine it down to like what the exact 99 should be. Yeah, not to mention that there's a lot of personal choice there and what kind of cards you want to play, cards that we didn't even add in there that you might want to add in. And also, we're students of Magic as much as you guys are, so there's no benefit from posting a deck that you can just copy and paste into Card Kingdom and just you know buy all the cards immediately because I think having that choice and sort of doing some of the building your own with a nice starting off point is a much better way to learn why the choices were made and sort of like have you go through the process yourself as well and in the end i think make yourself a better player okay or at so least a better builder yeah you're right practicing it will help you do it and this is going to be we're going to talk a lot about the philosophy behind what kind of cards we want and and we will talk about specific cards obviously but yeah just at the end of it we won't be like here's the list mm-hmm. build this it'll be like take what we've said a lot of the cards we've suggested and then you know yeah you're, you're going to be able to play with the last 10 20 30 cards and before we jump into this, I wanted to say one thing, because I know some people are probably asking. Uh, we have had so many Deck Doctor submissions through email and Twitter and stuff. We haven't lost any of them. We still have all of them. So when we do Deck Doctor's episodes in the future, we are going to be going back into those archives and grabbing decks. So don't worry if you've submitted a deck before. They're all starred in our inbox. We've seen them all uh, and so that we can choose one of our liking. And you can always send us more. The Deck Doctor series is always ongoing. We don't do it all the time, but we, we do want to do it more, so keep sending us those decks. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say is decks that aren't 100% tuned are going to be the best. Some people send us decks, and I look at the deck, and I'm like, this deck's awesome. Yeah, I think you're a good guy. <laughs> you don't need me. So, um, okay, let's talk about the stats. I always like to do a deck stats breakdown. The original deck list. So this is of Alex's deck, yes. So right now, Alex has four card draw spells. You know we're not going to like that. We think that's low. We usually want somewhere around 10, possibly more. Mm-hmm. Uh, mana ramp, there's about six. Again, that seems very low, especially since Ailey has an activated ability, so this deck is going to be mana hungry. Yeah. You're often going to want to play something, but hold that three mana up so that you can exile a non-land permanent. Um, single target removal, we talked about this because Ailey's already covering you in this space. There's four, which is not very high, but Anguish on Making and Utter End are among them. So yeah. Um, you don't actually need those. It feels right to put them in, right? It's like, oh, of course these are in, but seeing as your commander already does it. And it does exactly what those cards do. Yeah, exactly. Utter End is actually less efficient than Ailey, although it doesn't require sacrificing a creature. But True. Um, and then board wipes, there's only two, so that's very low. And you definitely need more here because you're trying to, you know, you don't need as much single target removal. You're going to want to have more board wipes in general. Yeah, because one of the ways, and we'll talk about this near the end, but one of the things the deck's going to be weak to is a somebody putting on a whole lot of stuff at once mm-hmm. because you can sort of go bang, kill that, bang, exile that, bang, exile that. 
but you don't have enough mana to exile 30 things in a turn. So, yeah. um, and then life gain cards, there's about eight. Now I didn't count, this gets a little complicated, but there's high toughness creatures in mm-hmm. Alex's deck, which are technically life gain with Ailey because you could sack them, right? And you get life equal to their toughness. Walls specifically. Yeah, I didn't count those. Uh, when I refer to eight life gain cards, I mean cards that are primarily to gain life. Dedicated life gain. Yeah, or also like um, Soul Warden is a card that every time anybody plays a creature, you gain a life. I counted mm-hmm. that as life gain because it's a 1-1, one, one, so it's not actually very good to sacrifice. Um, so there's Walls slash Defenders. There's about eight. This is an interesting category. We'll get into this a little more. I don't know yeah. that's necessary, but uh, this is something Alex had obviously sort of concentrated on as a th- sub-theme was sort of walls defenders, but there's not so many that it's a wall deck. Mm-hmm. Um, then token or creature makers. Again, this is a category we thought may be important. There's only about three. I'd put more in. Yeah. Um, and then sacrifice effects. Now, this was an interesting one. Things like Ashnod's Altar, mm-hmm. some some things that allow you to sack your own creatures. There was about five. So this was obviously something Alex was interested in, and I don't know that it's necessary for the deck. Ailey already, like, you have a way to sack creatures on your commander. A very cheap way as well. It only costs one mana to do it. Yeah, and so I'm not sure that a lot of these sack effects are useful in the deck. They're sort of, like, redundant. Yeah, you need to see what they're doing. It's something like Ashnaut's Altar where you get two mana per creature it sacked. Might be. It's like, okay, yeah, you can use that mana to directly pay for Ailey's first ability, um, but at the same time, you're still sacrificing a creature to do it, so you're actually sacrificing two creatures to get sort of the benefit. And I think when you're sacrificing stuff, you're going to generally want it to be one of Ailey's two abilities, not just to ramp you, because you can just put in ramp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to talk philosophy here really quick. Something occurred to me while breaking this down, and... It's sort of these questions of what's your deck doing? Is it part is part of what you're doing leading to winning, right? So if that's not the case, then how do you add and that makes me win that component to your deck? So let me explain a little bit here. Some some like there's a formula to a deck, right? And what it wants to do. So let's take Nekusar. Nekusar, you've kind of got two steps. Step one, make everyone draw cards. Step two, Make players take damage when they draw cards. Punishment. Now that, the, and that makes me win is part of it because damage will kill the opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Narset is a little bit more, you have to reach a little bit more, but it's still, what does Narset want to do? What do the cards in Narset want to do? They want to be focused on giving one specific creature the ability to attack and then get a big non-creature spell on top of your deck so that you can cast it for free. And that makes you win. Because usually giant non-creature spells are powerful enough to take over the game. So. Exactly. So that you can see where that makes you win. Now, I think Ailey's a little more complicated. She strikes me as a little bit more like Gitrog. So mm-hmm. Gitrog monster, you want to get a bunch of lands in your graveyard because that'll make you draw a bunch of spells. But that doesn't make you win. I mean, you'll just sit there draw with a, a, bunch big, of cars, with I a mean. big grip. Drawing nice. a bunch of cards is good, but that doesn't inherently make you win. Now, the mm. next step would be like, I don't know, doing something like when I draw cards, it damages the opponent. You could try that. I don't know if there's enough cards in, in the history of magic that could get you there, but that's a way to, I'm going to call this weaponize what mm-hmm. Gitrog's doing. So Gitrog decks usually have to then use a bunch of other cards that capitalize on the facts that, that lands are either being played or going to the graveyard. You know, Titania, Worm Harvest, Rampaging Balos, Avenger of Zendikar. 
So in effect, the Gitrog deck weaponizes what I'd call the land merry-go-round. It's weaponizing the fact that lands are either coming to play a lot and going to the graveyard a lot. And they're sort of going in that circle, hand, play, graveyard, hand, graveyard, play. Mm -hmm. Any of that circle is good for you. You know, battlefield, hand, graveyard. Any way that goes, I want a bunch of cards that care about my lands just sort of like going around that merry-go-round. Yeah. And so that's sort of what Gitrog does. Okay, so now we're on Ailey. And Ailey, we said before, has those two aspects, right? You want to gain life because you want to be above 50 life. And you want to have either ample creatures to sacrifice or recursive creatures. So creatures, again, are win conditions. So you could go the creature creation, weaponizing creature creation could be the way you go. Right. And that most likely would be like a token deck with Ailey. Because you're going to have a lot of tokens that you can sacrifice to get rid of non-land permanents. And that could be a, definitely a way to go. The other way is to somehow weapon, weaponize life gain because we know we want to gain life. So how do I turn that into a win? So these are choices you have to make. There's not necessarily a right or a wrong. There's probably one that's technically more powerful than the other if you broke it down and did the statistics, right? But we're going to do life gain on this one because we've done tokens a couple times. Yeah, and life weaponizing life gain is a very specific hard to interact with thing as well. I think it's a it's a more of a sort of a guaranteed win than just being like I make a bunch of guys because then you're affected by board wipes, then you're affected by just ample blockers and a bunch of different things. And white black is not the token color, I don't think. I think I mean, you're white but not black. Yeah, you're you're really missing. I mean, black has zombies and stuff, but you're missing the big win condition which is like overrun. Um, in token deck. So you don't have green to do that. Now you could just go super wide, but I think you leave yourself too open and it just sort of feels against what Ailey's trying to do, which is like you're trying to get rid of single things. If you have 80 creatures and you're trying to get rid of one thing, the 80 creatures should be winning the game for you, not the other part of her ability. So I think being well, able to abuse I mean, that I, is I nice. I think that that could be a way to go in that you could get rid of the propagandas and the ghostly mm -hmm. prisons and those pillow 40 things because those are usually like single cards that are stopping your tokens from winning the game that other yeah. decks are rely relying on. But I like what you said in that most decks are equipped to deal with creatures. Like, if you build your average deck, you may not have a lot of enchantment removal. You not, may not be able to stop a infinite combo. You mm -hmm. may not be able to, you know, deal with Nekusar, making you draw a bunch of cards and taking damage that way. But almost every deck will have a contingency plan to deal with creatures. Yeah. Because they're so common. Yeah, and board wipes are just one of the things that every deck should run in Commander, so... Guaranteed. Oh, there's a there's spider. There's a spider like slowly. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's freaky. It's the spider. You probably the can't see it on. Oh, you're grabbing it? Oh my gosh, I'm arachnophobic. You are? Yeah, kind of. Oh, it's on the ground now. So now it can go anywhere. <laughs> Up my pants. It was that big. It was like teeny tiny. Hey, man. What do you want me to do? Smash it? I, I would have killed it. That could have been uh, Ishkana's cousin. He's coming after me now. Ishkana or the cousin? Because one's Ishkana. way more scary than the other. Yeah, Ishkana is definitely scarier. <laughs> but he, he's going to make me lose one less life because we killed that spider. So thank goodness. Oh, you're, so you're going to survive. That's good. Yeah. Um, a brief aside, though. I love the idea of the word weaponize here. I don't love the idea in real life. But in Commander, uh, weaponizing is very important because I think a lot of decks, and we should make, do an entire episode on win conditions sometimes, but a lot of decks just sort of do stuff and don't weaponize stuff in the way that lets them win games. So it's like, cool, I just drew a bunch of cards and I milled 80 into my graveyard or whatever, and like, well, I'm going to shuffle them all back in, but I, oh, I, I can't kill anyone. So being able to weaponize stuff is, I think, a great 
sort of lens to put on building a deck and sort of making sure it's focused enough to win games and also let you have fun with it. Okay, so with those thoughts in mind, let's go back to Alex's deck, and we're going to talk about some cards that Alex has that we would maybe take out and why. So let's start with Nantuko Husk. Ah, uh, Nantuko Husk. This card is great. It's it's seen so much play over the years because it is a sack outlet on a card. Um, it's two in the black creature, zombie, insect, and it says sacrifice a creature. Nantuko Husk gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. I think it's pretty obvious why this card doesn't belong in the deck, right? This is one of the sack outlets that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. This is a, I have a lot of creatures. This is weaponizing having creatures, not weaponizing the life game part. Right. It's also unlikely to lead to victory in that you have to have so many tokens. And if you do that, why would you want to sacrifice them to the Nantuko Husk unless you had some sort of like, you all, then you need to also have things in your deck that allow you to attack with one big creature. Mm-hmm. It just, it's, I, I, I get why it seems like it would fit in the deck, but it's not. It's just not fitting in with the overall game plan, right? The next one is Dark Imposter. It's two and a black for a 2-2 two, two creature vampire assassin. It says pay four black, black, exile target creature, and put a 1-1 one, one counter on Dark Imposter. Dark Imposter has all activated abilities of all creatures or creature cards exiled this way. Notice you can exile one of their creatures. Yeah, I mean, so six mana exile a target creature and then Dark Imposter gets bigger. Um, I can see why this could be in the deck, right? We always talk about make sure that your deck has redundant ways of doing what it wants to do. Um, In this case, though, I don't think it's necessary because for the high cost of six mana, it's just very hard for this to stick around, both stick around the battlefield. If it just dies, then you're in a, it's like, great, that card was a 2-2, it died so much, and I wasn't able to use it once. Um, Ailey is just much more efficient to do this, and Dark Imposter, while it is good and what it does is good, is just, I think, way too overcosted. Also, remember our game plan. Is this card gaining us life? No. Is this card either a recursive creature or create a bunch of tokens? No. Does it weaponize life gain? No. Okay then probably we want to throw it out, no matter how good the card is. I mean, there'll be some cards that are so good, you know, swords to plowshares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you still have it in there. But in general, if the card doesn't fit one of those categories, then we, at the moment we don't want it, unless it's card draw or mana ramp. Those are the ever-present. Not to mention swords to plowshares you can use on your own creature to get yeah. you above 50 life. So it's it's one of those cards that is just great overall, and it's so efficient. Really Obviously good point. You run it, but yeah, it's it's awesome in that case. Um, another card we would take out, probably Elixir of Immortality. Now, we've never talked about this card on the show before um it's one mana for an artifact you can pay two to tap it and you gain five life shuffle elixir of immortality and your graveyard into their owner's library so uh i think honestly the most important part of this card isn't the gaining five life it's more that you get to shuffle your graveyard into your library absolutely this deck doesn't necessarily need to do that right if you're sacrificing tokens it's not like those cards you need to get back and also Putting them back into a 99-card library is not where you want to be in Commander, I think, in general, unless you're just trying not to get decked. And the five life you gain off Elixir of Mutality, it's cheap, right? For three mana, you can gain five life. There's just, for one mana, you can gain way more with Ailey, right, as a sack outlet. I mean, we want life gain that's really efficient, that doesn't waste cards in this way, right? Mm-hmm. Wasting an entire card, it's not so much the mana, it's just a card to only gain five life. It doesn't even get you to 50 if you're at 40. I mean... Right. 
yeah, it's just not big enough impact. I think you're right. Elixir of Immortality, you only want in your deck if you have a really reasonable expectation of being milled or almost milled. And usually that means your deck is self-milling mm -hmm. because you know you're going to mill yourself out. So that's the reason you would want Elixir is to save yourself. Or if you play in a play group where there's a very powerful mill deck or two and you're trying to counter that. Even in those cases, a lot of times the original Ulamog or Kozilek are... Much better options. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, I would say. Um, another card on the list that I would take out is Rebuff the Wicked. So it's one white for an instant. It says, counter target spell that targets a permanent you control. It's interesting because, again, black and white don't really have these kinds of spells, aka counter spells. Um, this is very similar to, like, uh, like um, there is a card in yeah, Eldritch Moon, in Eldritch Moon that, that, does, that this. does the same thing. But the thing is, is, like, just because it is cute in what it does doesn't necessarily mean it's what you want to put in your card because it's a one-for-one. One. Um, like, for instance, would you rather put Swiftfoot Boots in your deck over this? I think absolutely. So that's hexproof. That essentially is a lifelong counter on your creature saying nothing can target it, um, your, that your opponent's control can target it. So I would also say that protecting your commander when it only costs two mana is not as high a priority as when mm -hmm. it costs seven mana or six mana. Those are situations where if I pay seven mana for my for my commander and then somebody goes boom and gets rid of it for two or three mana i'm at a disadvantage there yeah but my commander costs two if they want to burn a card to get rid of it it's not that bad and it doesn't look good for them either and it also probably means that you're doing very well at that point if they've decided to waste a one for one on your in your commander um the only other situation i could see is uh stealing your commander right if you're in the situation where you've got somebody who plays a lot of control magic effects, then that can be a little bit scary. But like you said, Swiftfoot Boots, I think, is a better option. Mm -hmm. Just having high market or a card that allows you to sacrifice your commander specifically is good. Because, again, if we're going to play a bunch of like recursive-type threats, they can't steal our other stuff because yep. I can sacrifice it. Yep. And Or it's a token. So go ahead, steal it. Have as many as you want. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. Um, and in general, just the one-for-one one doesn't really feel that good um, when it's a very specific one-for-one. One. We say Swords to Plowshares is better because you get to choose what goes and when. Um, but being the person, let's say you draw Rebuff the Wicked and you're just playing a bunch against a bunch of decks that aren't going to single-target your creatures. One deck wants to board wipe it. One deck is going to do damage to each creature because of a card like, um, what's that old black-black... Him to Torak? No, no, no. It's it's way back in the day. Unlimited Revised deals Pestilence, right? Oh, yeah. So cards that don't even care about single targets, you know. So you want to just make sure that your cards are going to be effective when you draw them. And having this card in your hand and knowing that it's never going to... Like, that's why I take Misdirection out of almost all my decks. I thought it was a great card at first. You can cast it for free. You can just make sure no one gets rid of your stuff. But it just never is that relevant. You have to think, what is the permanent that I am so worried about losing that I need to protect it specifically? Mm -hmm. And that why am I not also worried about board wipes? Why do I not care about them? And yeah. usually you'll look through your deck list and be like, well, I can't even think of one, really. <laughs> you know, my commander, I guess, but I, I don't lose that card, so I'm not that worried. Yeah, so, and it's easy for you to get that card back. Yeah, exactly. Um, another card was Mind Slash. It's one black black for an enchantment. It says, pay black, sacrifice a creature, target opponent reveals his or her hand, you choose a card from it, that player discards that card, play this ability only anytime you could play a sorcery. I actually like this card a lot mm -hmm. in different decks. I want to build a deck that's all about making people discard cards from their hand. However, you're not really making any use of that card other than just saying, hey, I'm going to make an enemy right now. Get rid of one card that can maybe affect me. This feels very similar to Rebuff the Wicked. 
it's a one for one. It gets rid of something that you're potentially worried about instead of just sort of going with your game plan and, and make sure you're honing what you're trying to do. Yeah, it's a focus thing. It's not that this card is bad. I just, it doesn't fit in our categories. Again, it does not do anything that we need to do. It doesn't gain us life. It doesn't create creatures. It uses creatures. Mm -hmm. It's a different way to spend our creatures. And I don't think that philosophically that's horrible. It's just like, why is discarding the thing that you're going to reach outside of your game plan to do? It's usually you want to cover yourself in an area that that you're worried about that nothing else covers and discarding it's it's too easy for this to miss too you're like yeah. i look at your hand uh, there's nothing that bad and then this guy that i didn't look at actually has the board wipe that i'm worried about or whatever yeah i would much rather instead of making other players discard just draw more cards to have more answers um i think that's just a safer plan than sort of just trying to be like i think this person has something that's going to make my day bad and when you do it it's like uh oh i just made an enemy because their cards didn't really affect me so um Okay, we're not going to list all the cards we would take out. The, the, the we should mention Tree of Perdition, though. Well, yeah. The, the other thing I was going to say, I, was, I would take out most of the walls. Walls feel like a good idea with Ailey. They're like 06s, 07s, 08s. So you're going to gain a lot of life. But you wouldn't just mm -hmm. play a card that's like pay two mana, gain six life. It's actually three mana. I'm talking about fortified ramparts, right? It's right. 06 for two. And if I pay one and sacrifice, I get six life. That's not really a, it feels like that's what Ailey wants to do, but it's not really what Ailey wants to do because you just wasted a card to gain six life. Yeah. It's, it's just not a good use. Yeah. You'd much rather have it be a creature that does something when it dies or did something when it came into play instead of just being a card that gains you life. We, I mean, in limited, the cards are bad, right? To just gain you life. And in commander, it's equally not so good. Um, but Tree of Perdition. Yeah. We got a lot of flack about this one. We were very wrong about how Tree of Perdition worked. And I didn't even realize this. Well, yeah, and, and we were wrong in that I had said, oh, I want to get a Fate Stitcher, and then I just want to put yeah. everybody at 13. But what would happen is, like, you'd tap... Let me read your prediction. Three and a black. Creature plant. Zero, 13 with Defender. Tap it. Exchange target opponent's life total with Tree of Perdition's toughness. So it's that exchange part that we sort of missed, mm -hmm. which means, like, if I use it on Jimmy and he's at 40 life, he'll go to 13 life because that's the uh, tree's toughness. But the tree will now be a zero forty. It's a because, fat tree. Because now it gets Jimmy. So if you had Fate Stitcher and you untapped it, you couldn't really do anything good. I mean, unless somebody happened to be at 100 life, then I guess you, it would be good. Yeah. Or you could bring them up to 40 if they were below if you wanted to. But you couldn't just put the next player at 13 and then the next player by untapping the tree. So for the reason that it's bad with Fate Stitcher, it's very good with Ailey. Because I said that gaining 6 life is not good, but gaining 40 life is good. Yeah. So if I tap it, do 27 damage to Jimmy... Then sack it to Alien, gain 40 life. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I would go ahead and play that card. You could also, if it untaps again and you're at a lower life total, use it to... Oh, no, it's opponent, sorry. Yeah, it's opponent. Never mind. I was wrong again. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm nerve the nerves. <laughs> so that's the one quote-unquote wall that I would keep. I would probably take out all the rest. I will mention a card that may make you think of changing that. And again, these are mm -hmm. choices that we can make. But I think in general, walls seem good. Actually, not that good in Alien. And again... Agreed. What a wall does for you is early defense. Your commander already does that, so you don't even get that upside of the walls. Right, and ideally you're gaining so much life here that you're not actually that worried about losing a little bit in the early game. And not many decks are built to really kill you that with creature damage that early. Now some decks can go infinite by turn three or whatever, but we're ignoring that reality because it's... It's not really commander. It doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah it doesn't lead to good games anyway. 
Okay, so we're going to talk about some specific categories like we always do. We are going to cover card draw and mana ramp, but very quickly. We're not going to list all the cards. We're not going to list all the cards in any of the categories, but definitely we're going to go fast through card draw and mana ramp because you guys know we talk about that all the time. So yep. uh, the first one that I would add is Skull Clamp. Great it doesn't card. even matter if you have one ones with Ailey because Ailey sacks creatures. Yep. So if you put the skull clamp on and then sack the creature to one of Ailey's two abilities, you get to draw the two cards. So for one extra mana, you just add draw two cards onto either one of her abilities. And you do gain one less life, notably, because skull clamp makes it plus one minus one. Oh, dang it. So close. But you draw two cards. I'll take that. Yep. Uh, the other card is Alhamrat's Archive, a card that I don't think I've been able to put in the deck yet. So it says if you would gain life, you gain twice that much life instead. And if you draw a card, except for the first one you draw on each of your draw steps, draw two cards instead. So it's kind of like Skull Clamp a little bit that you're drawing another card or right. two cards if you're drawing um, another card outside of a normal draw card per turn. And you gain a lot more life from this. Yeah, so it just it just pumps Ailey up, right? Double the life gain. And then any other card draw you have in the deck it'll basically double that also. So it's very, very good, um, and it synergizes with a lot of things she's doing. Okay, on to Mana Ramp. Uh, the deck is particularly mana hungry, I will say. So you're going to want maybe more Mana Ramp than 10 that we normally advocate. Mm -hmm. uh, one I, I, I really like is Sword of the Animist. So Sword of the Animist is two mana for a legendary artifact equipment. It costs two to, two to equip. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. But whenever equipped creature attacks, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your library. So every time you attack with the creature equipped with the Sword of Animist, you ramp one. Yeah, it's a cheap equipment to get out. It's pretty cheap to equip as well. And if, let's say, you attack with the creature, get the land, they're going to block it. Well, hey, sack it to Ailey. Yep. Or you attack with Ailey. Ailey's got death touch. They're not going to really want to block. Mm-hmm. So, and especially, like, if you get the Sword of the Animus on Ailey on turn four, it's a four or five death touch attacking. You're going to be able to find somebody that you can get a free attack in, and you're already ramping. Yeah. And we're talking about a deck that's going to have tokens and recursive creatures. So you don't care if they die. So you just put Sword of Animus and attack with them. And it doesn't matter because when a crypt creature attacks you ramp, they don't have to hit the player or anything. Yeah, very important. And, again, Sword of the Animus is one of the best ways to get, like, land ramp in decks that don't have green. Yeah, it's very good. It has to be a deck that can afford to attack with creatures. So some decks, you know, they, it can't really do it, like Nekusar or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Pristine Talisman. This I'll let you go ahead and read it, but sure. this is a very simple one, and you guys will understand why this is good. It's mana ramp and life gain. It's just a three-drop artifact. Tap it, add one to your mana pool, you gain one life. Hooray! Now, you, three mana for a mana rock isn't that good, but in this case, I definitely think it's it's worth running in the deck. Yeah, I think so, because you only have to tap it a couple times for it to make a difference. You know, if if some other effect would get you to 48 life, this will get you those last two, and that's mm -hmm. a really big deal. Also, we have a two-drop play, so our three-drop um, mana rocks are a little bit better because we may choose to play Ailey rather than a two-drop. I would still put, like, Orzhov Signet mm -hmm. in there, but I'm just saying, like, three-drop mana rocks may be a little better in this deck because most decks, they want two-drop mana rocks because they don't have anything to do on two. Not to mention this generates exactly enough for you to sack a creature with Ailey. Yes, well, very so. good point. Good times there. Okay, so we won't cover all the mana rock stuff. We're going to move on to um, some of the big categories. And we'll talk about some of the cards that are good that Alex already has, and then some that we would add. So the first card, uh, the first, sorry, category is life gain. So life gain cards that Alex already has. The first one is Soul Warden. We talked about this earlier. It's one white for a 1-1. One, one. It says 
It's a human cleric. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you gain one life. Notably, that's anybody's creatures, not just yours. Mm -hmm. So if Jimmy plays a spell that gives him four tokens, then you get four life. This is, is really good. Yeah. Especially since it's a one drop, too. So you can go Soul Warden into Ailey. Gain a life. Gain a life. And then you're just gaining life for at least the first few turns mm -hmm. because nobody's just going to, you know, off your Soul Warden on turn three. Yep. You also have the Gray Merchant of Asphodel, which is a win condition in itself. It's three black black for a creature zombie. Two four. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses X life, where X is your devotion to black, and you gain life equal to the life lost this way. So this card is worded specifically. That's even better in multiplayer, where the, if there are multiple opponents losing life, you gain the sum total of all that life, not just uh, everyone lost five life. You only gain five. No, if there's three players, other players, you gain fifteen life off of it. So, I mean, it's very good. Even if Gray Merchant is your only creature, like even if Ailey's dead, mm -hmm. and you're playing against four other players, that's going to be Eight life gain for you, two damage to everybody. Eight life is a lot for the five mana. Also, we're going to put in some ways to like recur our creatures and whatnot. But that if Ailey's out, now all of a sudden, instead of eight life, that's 12 life. Yeah. You know, if you have a couple more, it can very quickly get to the point where this does like, you know, eight damage to everybody and you gain 32 life. Yeah, which is very insane. So I like the Grey Merchant a lot. Uh, okay. I wish the card saw a little more play. It was printed in Commander 2014. So, hey. Get on it, guys. Get on it. <laughs> um, so Alex did have those two cards in the deck. Here's some cards we would think about adding. So Soul's Attendant, which is basically a reprint. It is a functional reprint of uh, Soul Warden. Yep. And is part of the Soul Sisters deck in Modern. So Soul's Attendant, one mana for a 1-1. One, one. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you gain one life. So very exact same card. And very often, if there are functional reprints, if you want one, you want the others because unless you're right on the line and you have maybe too much of that similar effect. But in general, if you want one, you want all the cards that do that. Yeah. Rock's Faith Mender is also a very prime candidate. It's three and a white for a creature Rhino Monk that's a 1-5 with lifelink. And it says, and he's basically an enchantment, if you would gain life, you gain twice that much life instead. Very important because he has high toughness, which means that if you sacrifice him to Ailey, bing, bing, you did a good job. You get 10 life. Um, Oh, Heimert's Archive basically does the same thing. Yeah. If you get both of them out, very good. Uh, Kokusho, the Evening Star. This, this may is, be the best creature for the tech, honestly. It's very good. It's very. It's a lot like Grey Merchant. It's a four and two black for a legendary creature, Dragon Spirit. It's a five, five with flying. But when Kokusho, the Evening Star, dies, each opponent loses five life. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. So it's exactly Grey Merchant, but it assumes you have a five devotion to black basically yeah it'll never do more than five to anybody but it'll always do exactly five and then you gain that much life so again if you're playing against four other players it's five damage to everybody 20 life to you yeah it's really good and specifically when it dies as well so people don't even want to remove it um and it, you, of course you can sacrifice it to Ailey to do this at instant speed at any time kokusha is one of those like one of the first cards i remember being played against me when i first started playing commander and i was just like how is this this is the most broken card ever i mean it it Oh, gosh, I might get this wrong, but I think it was banned, it was banned for a little as while. Commander. Yeah, it was banned yeah. for a little while. So um, Craig has it in a lot of his decks, like the Carador deck, and it always just does so much work. And again, uh, if you if you actually sacrifice it to Ailey, that'll give you five life, so it could mm -hmm. do it could gain you even more. Or you could, of course, sacrifice it to get rid of uh, non-land permanent. So yeah. very, very good. Um, Proper burial. Three and a white. It's an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control dies, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. Um, is basically what Ailey is doing uh, if you sacrifice a creature to her. So you just basically double your life gain um, 
essentially. Now, if you have another card that doubles your life gain already, you aren't going to gain extra life off of that, but you're going to gain extra life off of proper burial gaining you life. So it's like if you have a five toughness creature, you'll gain 10 if it doubled, and then you'll gain another 10 off proper burial. Things spiral out of the control really quickly once you start doubling stuff. Yeah, it's basically like doubling season for life gain, right? All this yeah. stuff is ways to double it. I put maybe next to this one only because there's going to be a point at which you have too many life gain cards. So mm -hmm. this is one of those things we were talking about where playing with the deck will find, if you find when you're playing it that you have too much life gain and you're not weaponizing it enough or you don't have enough creatures to sacrifice to Ailey, then that's, you can sort of turn the knobs and levers to balance it where you want it. So yep. um, proper burial is very good and maybe you do want it. Maybe it's too much life gain, you know, with the other things. So that's just something that you're going to have to determine as you play, Alex. All right, the next category that we have here is creatures to sacrifice. So this is the fuel of the deck. It's what Ailey feasts on uh, eternally. Um, and uh, right now, you've got Hangerback Walker, which is in a perfect creature for this deck, right? It's one of those cards that synergizes in more ways than one. Um, it's XX, Hangerback Walker. It's a 0-0. Zero, zero. It's an artifact creature construct. It comes, enter the, it enters the battlefield with X plus 1 plus 1 counters of, on it. So for 2 mana, you make it a 1-1. One, one. For 4 mana, you make it a 2-2. Two, two. When Hangerback Walker dies, put a 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying onto the battlefield for each plus 1 plus 1 counter on Hangerback Walker. And if that wasn't enough... You can pay one to tap it, and you can put another plus one, plus one counter on Hangerback Walker. So it's a creature that gets bigger. It scales very well into the late game, and then when you sacrifice it or when it dies, you get even more creatures. They all sprout out of it. So this card is this card's awesome. Yeah, this card's very good. What did we say? We want recursive creatures. So creatures that when you sacrifice them, you get more stuff. That's mm -hmm. exactly what Hangerback Walker does. And what the other category for creatures to sacrifice was just having a lot of them. So token creators. Well, Hangerback Walker does that. That's how it recurs. So it's the perfect creature to pair with um, Ailey. So Alex did have that in the deck. We definitely agree with that. Um, Bitter Blossom is one we're going to say to add. Now, Bitter Blossom is one and a black for a uh, tribal enchantment fairy. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life and put a 1-1 black fairy rogue creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Um, you create a 1-1 black fairy that creates the new oh, right, yeah. wording. If you guys didn't know, enters the battlefield uh, when you put a something onto the battlefield. Sorry, not enters the battlefield. A token. Yeah, a token. Now it's create. So It create. still will trigger into the battlefield effects. They're just right. going to word it differently. Yeah, save, um, some, save some space on the cards. So this is just deal one damage to you, but make a 1-1 flyer every turn. This is very good because you're just going to have fodder to mm -hmm. sacrifice to Ailey to destroy, or sorry, exile non-land permanents. Yeah, not to mention, like, you lose a life, but you're going to gain that. Like, losing one life, losing three or four life in this deck shouldn't be a huge concern because the amount that you're gaining and how you're doubling it with different cards, too, you're probably going to be healthily above 50 for the most part. Yeah, I think so. You're going to err on the... On the um, side of gaining more life than you can actually lose to stuff like this yeah let's talk about the best elspeth ever oh yeah elspeth sun's champion four commander at least i think four white white for a six mana or a four loyalty planeswalker uh her plus one is put three one one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield so that's creating more food uh and her minus three which is i think why she's the best commander um for sorry she's the best planeswalker elspeth for commander is it destroy all creatures with power four or greater? So she's a built-in board wipe and a token generator, and the board wipe doesn't even kill her. So and it doesn't kill Ailey. Yeah, and if you do manage to get to her emblem, 
which is very possible considering you have a lot of life and you have a lot of creatures flying around. Creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and have flying. So just this permanent emblem that makes all your creatures even better to sacrifice and even better to just... I mean, at that point, you could become a token deck and win the game. So Yeah, and you are going to be creating some tokens, so just having an incidental way to pump them is fine. That's not going to be our main game plan, but if we got there, that's good. You know, most of the time you're going to bring Elspeth down and either make three tokens or do the um, retribution of the meek, which mm -hmm. is the destroy all creatures, power four or greater. I um, love this next card. This card's perfect. This card is, you know, we've never talked about it on the overperformers, but, I, well, whatever time we do the next overperformers, this is going to be on my list because this card is, it's insanely good. It reads, each thing reads as sort of innocuous, but when you add it up, it becomes a card that like is useful in so many situations. It's mm -hmm. trading post. It's four mana for an artifact. Pay one and tap it, discard a card, gain four life. Okay, not the greatest, but hey, listen, if you were like four life away from being above 50 so you could do the exile a non-land permanent, you might do it. Um, because you'd basically be like discarding a card, but it'd be like playing an anguish on making, right? Yeah, not to mention this deck has recursion in it, the way that we're building it. So discarding a card here isn't a huge downside. Yeah, if you discard a creature, you might you probably can get it back later. Mm -hmm. um, you can also pay one uh, mana, tap it, pay one life, put a zero one white goat creature token onto the battlefield. Bah. Bah. It makes goats. Yeah, and the goats will be, I mean, ideally at this point, the goats will become an exile target non-land permanent when yep. you sacrifice it for Ailey. You can also pay one mana, tap the trading post, sacrifice a creature, and then return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. This thing does everything. Yep, so it recurs artifacts, and you are gonna, it's, it's a commander deck, so you're gonna have artifacts, and we've already talked about a few. Skull Clamp also is an artifact that gets removed fairly often. People so. do not like Skull Clamp, they will get yeah. rid of it. Uh, and then you can also pay one, tap, and sacrifice an artifact to draw a card. So trading post, at the worst, you can always just cycle it away at some point. Yep, this uh, card is great. Yeah, it does a lot of things that this deck wants to do. Namely, it just it can make a goat every turn, which is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not to mention if you have some way to untap it, then then the card really starts going off. Mm -hmm. Staff of Domination. All right. Uh, Worm Coil Engine. This is always good. It was printed in Commander Products, so it's also more accessible to us now. It's a 6-6 six, six artifact creature worm with death touch and lifelink, and when it dies, it has... It, it splits into two. A 3-3 three, three colorless worm artifact creature token with death touch and the same token, but with lifelink on the battlefield. So it's like, we were an engine, and then now we're two of them, but we're three threes. We still have to 6-6. Six, six. So you can sack those again. One of them has lifelink, so it can keep gaining you life. One of them has death touch. It's a great blocker. I mean, this card's perfect for the deck. Yeah, it's not cheap. Alex, I don't know what your budget is, but it is perfect. It's a lot like Hangerback, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's a big creature, you sacrifice it, gain a bunch of life, and then it turns into more creatures you can sacrifice. And it has lifelink, so it's already gaining you life. Ah, oh, it's so good. This card is so yeah, good. Yeah, this card has single-handedly um, saved people's lives in games. I've seen people play it and were in positions of losing and no longer. Yep, the so. card is ridiculous. Um, and then the last one we're going to talk about, Phyrexian Processor. So this is a maybe because it's a little bit expensive, but once it gets going, it seems great. It's four mana for an artifact. As Phyrexian Processor enters the battlefield, you may... Uh, pay any amount of life. Then pay four and tap the processor. Put an XX black minion creature token onto the battlefield where X is the life paid as Phyrexian processor entered the battlefield. Okay, so let's play this out. I pay four. I play the Phyrexian processor. Let's say I'm at 60 life, a modest amount for a deck like this. And I decide, okay, I'm going to pay 12 life. So now I'm at 48. And now there's basically like 
the Frexian processor is worth 12. So when I pay for and tap it, I make a 12-12. Yep. And so the first time I do that, I sack it to Ailey, gain all the life back. Yeah. The and second time you do it. Yes. So for five mana, essentially, Frexian processor starts gaining you the life that you paid as the initial sort of down deposit payment. And then every time from there on, you can make just 12-12s. And so if it's great for you to be attacking with 12-12s, you do that. And if it's great for you to be gaining 12 life, you do that. And if it's great for you to be sacrificing those 12-12s to exile non-land permanents, you do that. Uh, crazy Dreamland. You play Trading Post. You, you played Phyrexian Processor only for like three. You're like, you know what? I need to reset this thing. I'm going to sack it. I'm going to bring it back by sacking another creature. And I'm going to play it for X amount. That yeah, actually, the trading post is great, right? You make a creature. You sack that creature to trading post to... Well, you oh, sacrifice no. the Phyrexian processor to draw, to a, draw card, a card. And, and then, then you sacrifice the creature you made with the processor to get the processor back and then play it again. Yeah. Wow. I like that. It's a lot of mana, but hey, you know, we're living dreams here. <laughs> it's commander, baby. All right, now let's talk about what makes this deck, I think, really sort of hum, which is recursion. Uh, you've got Frexian Reclamation in here. Now, this card I enjoy quite a bit. It's in my Marchesa deck. I think it's pretty powerful. Um, it's a black for an enchantment, so it's very cheap to play. You can play it on turn one. One in the black, pay two life, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So you don't need to tap anything. It's pretty cheap. You do pay a little bit of life as well. You're going to have life to spare. Yep. It's good. I think it's okay. You know, Commander's a funny format. You actually would much rather look for things that are going to return those creatures to play. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, one I really like is Dawn of the Dead. It's two black, black, black for this an enchantment. So, crazy. so five mana, but three of them black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may, t you may return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature gains haste until end of turn. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. I like everything about this card here, too. It works so well with Ailey, right? Because you pick a creature in your graveyard, you bring it into play, it has haste, so you can use it. Let's say it's Tree of Perdition. Well, I can now tap it, put somebody to 13, and then normally you would exile it at the beginning of the next end step, but you just sacrifice it to Ailey, and it goes back in the graveyard. Yeah. And then next upkeep, you bring the Tree of Perdition out again, tap it, bring somebody else to 13, gain 13 life, and you can or just gain do, 40 life. You know, yeah. it depends on where the tree predictions at. Or, oh yeah, true. 40 life, my bad. Yeah. Gain 40 life. I forgot again, jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that is untenable, right? You're just putting people to 13 and gaining 40 life yeah. every turn. If That's with tree of perdition. But worm coil engine. Yeah, great card. Because you get to keep the two 3-3 three, three tokens when you sacrifice the worm coil engine. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Hangerback walker won't work because it comes in as a 0-0 zero, zero and just dies automatically. But... A lot of good creatures to use with this. Also, this card was printed early enough. Normally now, uh, and it's a great thing to look out for on cards, this makes the power level way higher because it's an earlier card and it doesn't have the clause, if the creature would die this turn, exile it instead. Yes, they do is, that a lot now. Yeah, to make sure that you don't do exactly what we're talking about right here. So Dawn of the Dead, it's a bit restrictive. It's five mana, two black, 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 but you're only a two-color deck, so it's not like it's going to be hard to play this card in your colors. It's probably the best five drop you could play on five after you've been sacking stuff to alien, gaining life. It's, it's, it's very, awesome. very good. Sometimes I mean, you just get a free attack in as well with a giant creature to just like hit someone for a bunch and you're like, sweet. 
I mean, think of it with Worm Coil. Bring back your 6-6 Lifelink Death Touch, attack somebody. They probably won't block. If they have something that can block, will they? It's got Death Touch. Are they just going to lose it to the Death Touch thing? You're probably happy if it does that. Yeah, a and lot you don't of even care if it dies, because it's great. It's one less mana you have to spend for it. And if they don't, then you gain 6 life there, sack it, gain 6 life, keep the 2-3-3, three, three, the 3-3 three, three Death Touch, and the 3-3 three, three Lifelink, and then do it again next turn. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead, super good in the deck. Pretty good. Uh, there's also Gift of Immortality from Theros, two in the white for a enchantment aura. Uh, enchant creature, when enchant cre when enchanted creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Return Gift of Immortality to the battlefield attached to that creature at the beginning of the next end step. So this basically saves your creature. It brings it back, and then when the next end step happens, Gift of Immortality flops back onto it. Then you can sack it again. Same thing will happen. Sack it again. So this allows you to sack a creature basically on every player's turn. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Gain a bunch of life or exile a bunch of non-land permanents. Um, and then we have a couple of maybe. One of them is uh, Debtor's Nell. Uh, this is a card that I'm always like, like, should I play this card? It's always I, on the edge, right? It's right like the, on the edge, yeah. Yeah, it's like the 65th card. Well, it's a seven mana enchantment yeah, for yeah. one. So it's four and then Orzov hybrid three times. So four, white, black, white, black, white, black. Seven mana total. Enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So it's anybody's graveyard, which is the nice thing here. The reason why this may not be great is that because Ailey is exiling stuff, you're going to have less targets for her. But sometimes other decks are running crazy graveyard shenanigans, and debtors now just start stealing those cards out of their, out of their graveyard. I always want to put it in. It's always on the short list. It always is a seven drop. Yeah, that's really the downside. It's just something to look at. Again, Alex, I'm not sure your play group. Maybe if it's a little bit slower, you could do it. I think in ours, what happens is it gets priced out. It's too it's, it's too slow, but there, it is good and it's worth a look. Um, yeah, the other maybe, oh sorry, there's two more, but one, the other maybe is um, Shire. Yep, Shire Shizo's caretaker. This is the one I referred to earlier as a reason you might want to put some of those walls back in. Mm -hmm. It's four and a black for a legendary creature spirit. It's a 2-2. Two -two. Whenever a creature with power one or less is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you may return that card to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step if Shire Shizo's caretaker is still on the battlefield. So as long as this card's out, if you have a creature with power one or less and it grows to the graveyard, you get to return it to the battlefield at the next end step. Again, it so. won't work on tokens. Um but this will bring all your walls back. Mm -hmm. Tree of Perdition would come back. But you do have like Soul Warden, Soul's Attendant. Uh, there's a few maybe low power creatures that you have. Uh, Rocks, Rocks Faith Mender is yep. another one. It might be worth it. That's why I put maybe. Or if you decide to go a little bit different direction and keep some of the walls in, then this gets a lot better. Yeah, it, it definitely depends on how many one toughness. I, I would say one power creatures. I'd say you'd have to have at least like eight or nine to make this card really. You have to it. get at least one out every game. Yeah. So that Shiri is not never just like a five mana two two because that's the worst. Yeah, and and like the tokens you're skull clamping aren't going to the graveyard, so they're not coming back as well. So it has to be on a creature card. So that makes it a little more iffy. Um, another card that's kind of a maybe is Mimic Fat. It's a three drop artifact. It has imprint on it, so whenever a non-token creature dies, you may exile that card. If you do, uh, you turn each other card exile with Mimic Vat to its owner's graveyard, so it can only ever have one creature exiled at any time. You can pay three and tap it to put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of the card exiled with Mimic Vat. So let's say create a token exiled with Mimic Vat. Okay, that's a copy of a card with uh, exiled with Mimic Vat. It gains haste, exile at the beginning of the next end step. So again, it does sort of similar things to the... Um, uh, to Dawn of the Dead, 
where you get to put a creature card out and you get to sort of reuse it over and over again. It's great because you can actually catch cards like Ulamog, the old Ulamog. Yeah, you can catch other players' cards. Yeah, on the way out, and so they don't get like the trigger of it hitting their graveyard and shuffling. So it's like, haha, I died. I'm gonna grab it now. And Although a lot of people are playing like Marin decks and things where they're sacrificing their own creatures, right? And like you can just exile them just so they can't reanimate them. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit hard to get an Eldrazi to just straight die. You yeah. have to like get Toxic to lose or something. <laughs> yeah, Ulamog, I guess it wouldn't work because it's indestructible, so it has to be exiled. Or I guess you could Tragic Slip or tragic something. Tragic Slip, Toxic to lose. Yeah, there, there yeah. are a few ways uh, of, of killing it. Yeah. But anyway, that's a card I would think about because, again, it does a similar thing to Dawn of the Dead. It, it does cost you mana every time, and you can only have one card imprinted. So I think mm-hmm. it's kind of not as good, but in some ways it's better because you can hijack somebody else's awesome creature and just be like well geez if you're gonna play that then i'll go ahead and make one of those every turn yeah i'll, I'll take that uh the next one oh it's a new category so it's this probably is probably the this is the the most important category yeah this is the one we talked about this is weaponizing life gain so now we've got this nice if gitrog monster has the land merry-go-round mm-hmm. we've got the life gain and c- creature merry-go-round right we, we're bringing in creatures, we're making sure we have enough, and a lot of them are gaining us life so that we're above 50. And so how do we turn that into victory? And these are the different ways. Viscapa Guild Mage is the first one. Already in the deck, so... Yep, Alex already has a good job. Uh, it's it's white-black, two mana for a 2-2 human wizard. It's got two abilities. Pay one white and black. Target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. Good, because we want to gain life. The next ability is the real the real good one, though. It's pay one white and black, and whenever you gain life this turn, each opponent loses that much life. Yeah. So, so Tree of Perdition could be instant win. Yep. Tap it. Jimmy goes to 13. It's a 0-40. Sacrifice it. Activate Viscopa Guild Mage with that on the stack. You're going to gain 40 life. They're going to just die. They're going to lose 40 life. Yeah. Um, and that's each opponent. Yeah, which is great because you get to just, for one, it's very cheap to do this, right? And you could just, it's not like you need to do it all in one go, like Josh has said, too. It, it, it's something that could just happen slowly over a game. Sometimes you can play this and steal the game from someone when they're like, oh, well, like, his board is empty. Like, no, well, for five mana, I can, or for six mana, let's say, to play this card, activate the ability, and sacrifice a creature with Ailey, you can just all of a sudden kill someone very quickly. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah, this is a really good card in the deck. It's actually... Well, yeah, go ahead and read this one. Yeah, it's very similar to two other cards you have in the deck, which is a classic EDH combo, which is Sanguine Bond uh, with Exquisite Blood. So Sanguine Bond is three black black for an enchantment that says whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. And Exquisite Blood says four in the black for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent loses life, you gain that much life. So together, these just trigger off each other and go infinite, essentially, and will immediately kill everyone as soon as you gain one point of life minimum. Yep, uh, or as soon as somebody else loses one life. Right. Because either one will sort of start the infinite combo. This is kind of one of those like classic infinite combos that everybody groans at. Yeah. Now, Alex already has this in the deck, and we are very on the record as saying, like, hey, if you want to play with infinites, go for it. So, Alex, if you want to do that, that's fine. You I know, mean, if you want to play two five-mana enchantments to go infinite, then that's... I'm fine with that. Yeah, and you've... I mean, unless you wait till turn till you have ten mana and drop them both, like, usually you drop one, and then everyone's like, we have to kill that right now, because if the other one comes out... Yeah. We all die. Or they wait for the other one to hit the stack and they go, all right, who is going to instant speed remove that first one? Yeah, and they better be ready. now, yeah. It's not like they didn't see it coming. And the other thing is, if you're going to play one, you might as well play the other. You may as well, because 
Because they're both doing what the deck wants. Well, and also, no one ever believes you if you say, no, I don't have, I have exquisite <laughs> blood, but I don't have sanguine bonds. Like, they don't believe you. If you ever play one, they're going to either try and kill you because they're worried about the infinite combo, or they're going to get rid of it right away because they're yeah. worried about the infinite combo. It's just too easy for anyone to die to exquisite blood because, like, these could be out, and then Tim could be out on the battlefield, and all of a sudden, Tim is just says, I kill everyone. I kill everyone, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of a dream come true. So That's my dream. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those are cards that Alex already has in the deck. Uh, what are some ways we thought we could add in that weaponized life gain? I really like this one, Angelica Cord. Mm-hmm. It's three and a white for an enchantment at the beginning of each end step if you gained four or more life this turn put a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying onto the battlefield so you get a 4-4 angel each turn that you gained for life so your turn jimmy's turn Mm -hmm. craig's turn erica's turn maria's turn like if you can gain four life now the thing about angelica court is it makes a 4-4 angel hey how can i gain four life with a 4-4 but oh. I would never sacrifice my angel. It's an angel. It's but it's just going to turn into another angel. So if you want to, you can turn this into one mana gain for life on everybody's turn. So this yeah. can get you either up to 50 or it can just, like, I've got nothing else to do. I'll go ahead and gain for, you know, 16 life by the time it's my turn again. That can put you, if nobody's doing infect or commander damage like a Voltron deck, it can put you out of reach super fast. Yeah, definitely. And... Also, just putting four fours on the battlefield that you don't need to necessarily sacrifice if you have other ways of gaining life is just very powerful. Like, one, you have chump blockers now for days against giant dragons and stuff, but you could also just kill someone by the time it reaches your end step. Yeah, if, if, if you have turn, a way sorry. to gain four life like three or four times before it's your turn again, which this deck is capable of for sure, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, by the time it comes to you, you have five four four angels. That's just going to kill somebody in two turns. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, another card that came out very recently that I loved drafting when I had the chance was Cliffhaven Vampire. Oh, it was good in two, draft. Yeah, two a white and a black. Uh, it's a creature vampire war- warrior ally that is a 2-4 flyer. And it says, whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one life. And now this doesn't look as good as Exquisite Bond or Sanguine Blood on paper. However, you are a deck that is constantly sacrificing creatures. Like the last card we just talked about has you sacrificing and gaining life every single turn in Angelic Accord. And this is also a card that says each opponent loses one life. So everyone at the table is losing a life every time you gain life. So Yeah, we should uh, clarify that. Like it doesn't care how much life you lost or you gained. Yeah. It it so if you gain eight life, like you sacrifice a zero eight and you gain eight life, it's only gonna do one damage to each uh, opponent. Mm-hmm. But if you manage to like soul wardens out and you hanger back walker. Oh my gosh. So all of a sudden you go boom, sacrifice my hanger back walker get six life that's going to do one damage to everybody now six creatures come in soul warden triggers six times that's going to do one damage six times to everybody yeah this is the kind of deck that is 100 percent ready to um take advantage of multiple instances of life gain and with soul warden out and and cliffhaven vampire in this next card you'll just win yeah storm herd is eight white white for a sorcery it says put x11 white pegasus creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield where x is your life total Jeez, uh this feels like a win condition in itself by the time you get to 10 mana i mean that's right right this deck needs ways to weaponize life gain and this is 100 percent that your life gain is now your direct benefit here even if it's like 30 or whatever like by the time you get to 10 mana maybe some people will be at five maybe someone's gonna be at 10 even if you're sitting pretty at 40 or 30 and just higher up than everyone else because your deck wants to gain so much life, you're still putting 31 ones with flying onto the battlefield. Like, it's nutty at that point. But this point. deck could easily put out, you know, 150. 
Right. Like it could have gained so much life that it they literally just board wipe or die. Yeah. And like I said, with Soul Warden out, you, you just gain another billion yeah. life. And Cliffhaven Vampire. If you had Soul Warden, Cliffhaven Vampire, then Stormheart pretty much means win. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Okay, so again, we put maybe by these cards, and these are choices, I don't know, we don't make these choices for people, right? It's Felidar Sovereign and Test of Endurance. So Felidar Sovereign is a four white white for a creature cat beast. It's a four six, has vigilance and lifelink. But the really important text is, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 40 or more life, you win the game. So Not many cards say you win the game on them. Yeah, Test of Endurance is an enchantment version, and it's 50 or more life. It's the exact same thing. If you have 50, then you win the game. So, yeah. listen, I, I don't know. You play these cards. Some people hate these cards. Some people like them. The, Alex, this is your decision to make, but it does weaponize life gain. So, Yeah, and again, like if you find that you are gaining 1,000 life and everyone else, you eventually just give them enough time to win the game on their own means. Playing one of these cards is not the... I mean, it's like one of those things that's like, look, I got to this amount of life. You guys weren't able to deal with it or whatever. You weren't able to remove alien enough times or whatever. I just got there. And you know what? You guys have a full turn cycle when I play this to get rid of it. Or if you're really wily, you flash it in with uh, Ori. He does have Ori in his deck. Uh, As you should. I'm fine with this. Everybody knows my philosophy. That's fine. I'll shuffle up and play again. It doesn't bug me at all. Some playgroups don't like it. I don't know what your playgroup is like, Alex, or anybody listening. This is a decision for you to make yourself, but it is an option, so it's something to think about. I do like just winning the game sometimes, though. It's nice to be able to win yeah. and not be like, gosh, man, had a lot of fun that game, but didn't really do anything. We play to win the games. All right. Miscellaneous category. So this is some stuff that doesn't fit into way, our main plan. Didn't she just buy Angus McKenzie? Isn't he, like, anti-winning? Well, he's really good in Super Friends. <laughs> He just, we play he just to fog the board. <laughs> I'll win eventually. Okay, all right. All right. Um, so this deck's going to gain a ton of life. So it's going to be very hard for you to die through damage. They're going to have to do something broken. Infinite mm-hmm. Kiki Jiki you Crater Hoof Behemoth can usually overcome this amount of life gain because it's not infinite amount of life gain most of the mm-hmm. time. Uh, but things like Nekusar, they'll just never kill you. Like They can't keep up with this. But what you're really worried about are Infect yeah. and voltron decks because they can put out a ton of damage and commander damage, and that doesn't care if you're at 200 life or not. So I would think about some cards that mitigate that, that stop Infect or stop, um, or stop commander damage. So Righteous Aura is the one that comes to mind. Uh, you go ahead, Renee, Jimmy. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's one of those. It's I think you had it on your overperformers list. Yeah, I really yeah. like this card. Uh, it's two mana enchantment, one in the white. Uh, you can pay a white and pay two life. The next time a source of your choice would deal damage to you this turn, prevent that damage. So this is just like shutting down so many crazy like single sources of damage. Where it's like, haha, well this thing can do twenty damage to you right now, or like, hey, this thing is going to do X amount. This Voltron Commander is going to swing at you and do thirteen, and you're almost dead, even though you have eight hundred life or whatever. Great card, very cheap to pay for, uh, to have on the battlefield and to activate for three mana and two life. You're essentially protected from craziness. Yeah, you're protected from any like all of a sudden out of nowhere infect you for you yeah. know 10 or whatever and and the fact that it's just to pay one when you want to activate it past after after you after you cast it that's like that's great that's so cheap yeah this just card could really go in a lot of decks not just decks like this but it's very uh, maybe not necessary but it'll make you really really hard to defeat because you're gonna have so much life yeah um austere command this is just i put this in 
more and more decks. Like it's all my white decks want it. Probably the best board wipe in white. I mean, it's hard to say white's so good, but it's very good. I think it's got. I mean, it's yeah. versatile too, right? So sorry, it's four white white for a sorcery. It says choose two: destroy all artifacts, destroy all enchantments. Destroy all creatures with converted mana cost three or less, or destroy all creatures with converted mana cost four or greater. So you can either, you can just destroy all creatures because you can choose the three or less or four or greater, Mm -hmm. or you can destroy all artifacts and enchantments or some mix of all that. Super, super, super versatile. We've always talked about versatility and how strong it is. Yeah, this card is unbelievable because you can, again, you have this in your hand, you can totally plan around it. Be like, great, I'm only going to play three drops or less. Going to let everyone else overcommit to the board, and then I'm going to make sure I just don't drop my special enchantments, and that way, when I destroy all enchantments and this... I mean, like, the reason that Ailey is great is because you're trying to kill usually artifacts or enchantments, creatures as well sometimes, but I think in general, Ailey is going to be getting rid of problematic enchantments and stuff and artifacts. So, Asir Command gets all that job done for you, and you can definitely play around it, and you you basically can sculpt the board in a way that when you cast this card, everyone groans and you giggle. Everyone groans and you giggle. <laughs> I like yep. that. Uh, go ahead. Oh, Illusionist Bracers. I always try to find more reasons to put this in commander decks. Um, it's two mana for an artifact equipment, and equip cost is three. Whenever an ability of equipped creature is activated, if it isn't a mana ability, copy that ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. So this is great for a commander like Shu Yun, who has an activated ability, uh, especially Ailey here. Ailey, I don't know. We've probably been mispronouncing it the whole time. Because you got to exile two things for three mana now. Yep. So good. good. Yeah. Two things for three mana. Now you're almost like path to exile. It's even better than that. Oh, you're it's like, way better than that. You're like, yeah, there's no equivalent card because that would be way too powerful of like pay one and a half mana exile yeah. target non-land permanent. It is out of control powerful. Yeah. So Illusionist Bracers is a good one. And then I put a category and I put some dollar signs by it because again, I don't know Alex's budget and I understand a lot of people are not within this budget range, but some tutors, Enlightened Tutor, Idyllic Tutor, Demonic Tutor, um, could be very good in the deck. Now, again, if you have... Could be. I mean, they will be good. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you have Exquisite Blood and Sanguine Bond in the deck, then it gets a little dicey because you don't want to just be... Or at least I wouldn't, again, however people, people like to play. Showing tutoring for it. I wouldn't necessarily want to be... And I wouldn't want to build the deck so that it becomes an Exquisite Bond, mm-hmm. sanguine, or sanguine Bond, Exquisite Blood deck. Right. Which is like, I always just tutor for one of those and then that's how I win. I would like... You know, that's not how I like to play, but if that is how you like to play, you could do it. Otherwise, the tutors are just great for giving you the versatility to find the answer that you need when you need it. Yep. Um, so that sort of wraps up sort of where we're going with the Ailey deck doc. Um, Ailey is great. She's able to handle almost anything on the board if you provided you meet her conditions, but she is the built in combo on the card. She is able to sacrifice creatures and get you the life that you need to be able to use her second ability. She's a sacrifice outlet on a stick. She's very cheap to cast. She's a 2-3 two, for 2 that has death touch on the at the very base vanilla like level. A 2-mana two 2-3 two, is good. A 2-mana two 2-3 two, with death touch is great. And then you add these other abilities on. It's holy crap. This is a great commander that has a lot of versatility. And this just can dominate the board. I think... Let's talk about like the other decks you might be facing or the archetypes you might be facing and how Ailey mm-hmm. would do. So... Voltron decks. I think Ailey is very, very, very good against Voltron decks because they're building one big threat. Inherently, the weakness of that is single target removal. and Especially because you can get rid of non-land permanents. So yes. their Swiftfoot boots, they're things that's giving them hexproof or shroud. Exactly. That's the problem is like 
usually the way that a Voltron deck gets around single target removal is they put they pile up a bunch of effects on top of that uh, creature mm-hmm. so that it's hard to remove. They give it hexproof, you know, but you can actually get rid of both the things like, oh, well, okay, now I need to exile two non-land permanents. No big deal. I'll get rid of your lightning greaves and then get rid of the creature. And then you also are in a deck that's sacrificing creatures. The worst, the worst cards for Voltron decks are Grave Pact and Dictate of Erebos. Mm-hmm. Cards that cause opponents to sacrifice a creature whenever you have a creature die. You're going to have those cards in your deck, at least Dictate because it's cheaper. And if you put Grave Pact in too, also... And that just makes Voltron decks just like cry because yeah. they're only ever going to have one creature. And so they're just never going to be able to keep it on the board as long as you've got a Grave Pact or something out. They're hoping to make an ally out of you than an enemy in the early game so that, you know, hopefully you just won't ruin their day. Um, against token decks, decks that go wide, you might be able to survive a Crater Hoof Behemoth coming down with the amount of life gain that you're gaining in this deck. So that's the reason that hopefully you're able to survive big attacks. You also have a lot of tokens as well, so you're going to be going wide on your own board. You're going to present a lot of potential blockers. So it's going to be hard for people to get through your defenses, both life gain and creature-wise. Yeah, I do think token decks are going to be an issue for you, and that's why you want, you know... Board wipes. Some board wipes, because you... Yeah, so that's... But they're not like the worst thing ever. Like a lot of decks are going to have harder time with token decks than you are. Counter spells could be tough. Um, The one thing I'll say is Ailey's cheap to cast. Yeah, and once she's out, it's hard to counter her ability. Yeah, exactly. So you can still have some game against them because you could get Ailey out early enough. And and especially pure counter spell decks, they actually have trouble dealing with threats that have already hit the board. Yeah. Um, you know, not that they don't have Cyclonic Rift or some other ways to bounce them, but it's just a little bit more difficult for them. Uh, I did put Animar <laughs> will ruin your day because it's protection from black and white. Uh, I only thought of that because we have a couple Animar decks in our play group. So, yeah. um, Animar, I mean, what deck does Animar not really wreck? Yeah. <laughs> Animar is good and very good against specifically Orzhov decks. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, well, you, you just can't of, touch Animar. You can't touch Animar. You can touch other things. But. Yeah. <laughs> you can't stop stuff from hitting the battlefield, though. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, all right, Alex, thank you for submitting your deck. Hopefully this deck top, hopefully, hopefully this video has been of some help to you. Yes. Um, and everyone else looking to build an Ailey deck. Or to take these lessons and apply it to your own deck that you're having trouble with. Weaponize the thing that you're doing. And that will be the final Deck Doctor that we do on this show. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. (laughs) Oh, see, now it's not the final. Don't just (laughs) stop typing whatever you're typing. It's not the final one. They can't be typing. They're in their car listening. Are you... You're only doing that because you got to do the next Deck Doctors. What are you talking about? <laughs> we decided when the show started, we said it on air that this would be the final Deck Doctors episode. What? We have no more packs of the Dark to give away. Thank you, Alex Newman, for those, by the way. Oh, a lot of Alex's today. Oh, my improv. I'm supposed to go with whatever that you say. <laughs> no, no, yes. because I'm, I'm purposely sabotaging the show now. <laughs> so you, you can, you're, you're within your rights to be like, no, just, just stop it, Jimmy. Um, um, remember, CardKingdom.com, our sponsor. If you use the affiliate link, CardKingdom.com slash command zone that is the best way to support the show yeah order your cards through card kingdom like uh was it mitchell mitchell said earlier a lot of times the cards are in better condition than he even thinks yeah especially when you're building your new deck ailey alex ailey alex yeah or ordering alex. all those sweet eldritch moon cards like oh, yeah thalia's lieutenant or thalia or what's that card that brings all the uh, lands back? Spl- Splendid Reclamation, all you Gitrog players. Oh that goodness, card's yeah. insanity. Uh, let's talk about Thalia's Lancers. That card has got to go up. Lieutenant. 
Lancers? Lancers, Lancers. yeah. The one I said Lieutenant, but I, I mean, meant Lancers. Lieutenant's pretty good, too, in the, in the, in the vacuum. You're right. Lieutenant's the 1-1. One, one. Lancers, better. Lancers. Better, better, better for good. us. Better for us. You know what's really good, I think, actually, is... The, I forget what it's called. Cigar is something. It's the... Oh, Cigar is um, aid. Yeah, you can just play the equipment at flash, and it just automatically equips. Yeah. Oh, I'll my gosh. I'll say it now. That, that card is going to bottom out in standard because no one's going to play it. Uh, actually, who knows, right? Protor could come along. I don't some, think it's super cheap right now, right? It's yeah, and it's also super cheap to cast for one white. It's like is a Voltron deck's dream. In fact, if you're playing a lot of equipment in a deck that can play Sigarda's aid, you should. I mean, that card is it's absurd. I love it. it. Yeah, that card is that card actually freaks me out. I think it's a big boon to uh, Voltron decks in general. So check those out. Order them through Card Kingdom, CardKingdom.com/slash/commandzone. All right, let's move on to the end step where we talk about something outside the world of Magic. Uh, we have a couple of things to talk about. First, we got a tweet from a guy named Stuart Stone Three Temple Punk at Commandcast. Hey, you guys got me into Brandon Sanderson's books, and I was able and I was wondering if your next end step could be another book slash author. Well, let me just tell you, Stuart, we can do this. Okay, so I'm not sure which book of Brandon Sanderson's you read. We talked about the Reckoner series. I think Steelheart was the one we talked about, mm-hmm. or maybe it was Firefight. Um, so maybe those are the ones you read. Uh, Brandon Sanderson, also a Magic player, um, does a, a few different genres, so I'll cover both just in case that you read both. So mm-hmm. if you read the Reckoner series, then the books I would recommend, another book we've, rec- we've talked about on the show, a is lot. Red Rising by Pierce Brown. This is a three-book series. It just completed uh, this year, so all books are done. Very, very good. Um, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card, my favorite book of all time, probably. Only read the first one. Yeah, the other ones suck. It's a nice standalone story, and you can pretend the other ones don't exist. <laughs> and I, then, know, I, know, I know a lot of people that like them, but... You I, do? Yeah. I, I don't mean, know anyone that I, likes them. I've talked to a few people that are like, oh, yeah, they're great because of X, Y, and Z. I'm like, yeah, I still hate them. Every time someone says that, I'm like, you're lying, you didn't read them. <laughs> you um, don't understand. Um, Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Now is being made into a motion picture. By Mr. Spielberg. Um, yep, that's a very good one. And then Snow Crash, we've also talked about this on the show, yeah. by Neil Stevenson, which was actually, I believe, the precursor to Ready Player One. Yeah, Snow Crash is the precursor to a lot Snow of Snow Crash books. is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so if the if the Reckoner series is the Brandon Sanderson book that you like, those are the ones I would, I would steer towards. Now, if you've read some of The Mistborn or um, I think The, the Way of Kings and, and that, Mm-hmm. high fantasy Brandon Sanderson stuff, then I, this this is the list of books that I would suggest that are like those. So The Warded Man, another book we've talked about on the show by mm-hmm. Peter V. Brett. It's called The Demon Cycle Series. Now, this series is not complete, but I believe they're one book or two book away from being complete. So I think there's four books in the series right now. I could be wrong. There might be three. Anyway, I've read them all. Mm-hmm. Very good series. Um, the Black Prism by Brent Weeks is the Lightbringer series. This is also an unfinished series. Uh, more, A little more recent. Very, very good. Um, in the Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Which Another is, guy we've talked about on the show. Yep, which is part of the Kingkiller Chronicles. Uh, this series also unfinished. There's two books so far. Mr. Rothfuss is not super fast about releasing his books, so this one could I could foresee being frustrating, but the In the Name of the Wind is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... I mean, if you really want to go on an odyssey here, The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan was actually a series Robert Jordan passed away, unfortunately, before finishing, and then Brandon Sanderson finished the series. So oh, this really? Is, yeah. That's cool. So Because he was a huge fan of it, and he actually met with Robert Jordan while he was sick and um, wow, and got the download. And then the, uh, I believe Robert Jordan's wife was one of his longtime editors, and so 
they collaborated and finished the series for the fans, which was wow. great. That's amazing. Um, because a lot of us had been reading it over the course of 20 years. So the Wheel of Time series, the first six books of Wheel of Time are like amazing. Game of Thrones, good. It kind of veers a little and finally finds its way near the end again when Brandon takes back over. Um, but I would recommend that series. And then, well, you just wrote this, of course. Game of Thrones, yeah, just yeah. You know, Game of Thrones. It's great. Just watch this show. And then it's not because it's better than the books. It's just going to be done before the books. Because I have a yeah. real worry that Mr. R.R. R. Martin is not... Yeah. It's not that he's going to pass away. I just don't even know if he'll want to finish it. Like Because the TV series is going to be done. Yeah, he has a sort of a bad habit of not finishing things in a timely manner. Well, he's been he's slowing down. Like The first book came out, then a couple years later, the second book came out, then four years later, the third book, and then six years went by. I, I made yeah. up those numbers, but it's growing. It's the, about that much, yeah. The length of time between books is getting bigger and bigger. It's making me worried. As a book reader, I'm pretty sure I, I, I just gave up on it. I was like, yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm just going to watch the show. Yeah. Um, Stuart, I should also say we never answer anybody's question on the show unless we also give them prizes. So email <laughs> us at commandcast at rocketjump.com and we will send you some packs of Eldritch Moon. Hey, how nice. That means you guys can also ask questions of us for the end step or in general. Uh, we yep. are very responsive on Twitter, both at our personal handles and at commandcast, which is the show handle. What another great reason to follow us on Twitter because you can just randomly get chosen and talked about on the show and win stuff. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. We got to talk about one more thing on the end step. Oh, that's right. It's a new show. It's on Netflix. It's called Stranger Things. No spoilers, please. I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything. I've only watched four episodes. I haven't finished. I believe there's eight total. I believe I can get a, a give a good synopsis. Someone, goes, someone disappears in a small town in the 80s. Mystery. It's very E.T., Goonies. Super 8. It's super good. It's extra I'm in love with this show. It's extraordinarily good. I don't gush about I just don't gush about stuff. I really don't. Um because I'm jaded and old and I've been in Hollywood <laughs> for too long and I've seen it all, but this show is special and I would just say you got to check it out. If you've not seen Stranger Things on Netflix, you've got to check it out. I I, would, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just it's a masterpiece. It feels really like a masterpiece. And these guys, the Duffer brothers who made it, uh, I've never even heard of them. They came out of nowhere and yeah. just created this thing, and it's just mind-boggling. It's so good. You can find it on Netflix. Netflix, again, just hitting it out of the park like usual. It's great. It's great that they are. It creates opportunities for guys like Jimmy and me. Mm -hmm. uh, so way to go, Netflix. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, guys. Yep. I hope they the road. I hope they spend the amount of time on Stranger Things uh, season two that they did on this one you know that's the big worry with shows like this is they yeah they do really well and then there's such this pressure to rush and get the second season out that it never lives up because you know you probably spent four years refining the idea for the first season and mm -hmm. then you now got six months before you got to be even shooting season two so yeah you know hopefully they don't fall into that trap stranger things on netflix watch it it's a good one it's awesome well, I don't know if it's a good one, but literally everyone said good things about it. I and would not do you wrong, Jimmy. Yeah, I know my friends wouldn't either. I, I, I'm not the kind of person that's like, oh, it was overhyped. If a lot of people say it's good and I watch it and it's not good, I'll just go, oh, well, okay, that's how I thought about it. I won't be disappointed. But from the looks of it, I'm going to be very pleased. All right, make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern, Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. They were both recently at Comic-Con. Yep. I'm jealous. You were there too. I was there. 
And uh, they were also with you on the Rocket Jump page on the podcast tab right next to us. That's where you can find them. And you can follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. That's right. And our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Way to go, Terry. He does a great job with the videos. By the way, Josh and I are sitting next to each other. You can see our faces as we talk to you guys. If you go to YouTube.com slash the Command Zone podcast, we've had, I think, three now with full video um, outside of our um, four. I think it's four. Yeah, outside of our live episode, our episode 100. So, five then. Five total, yeah. So make sure you guys check that out. It's a new thing that we're doing. It helps us also you know, engage with the viewers in a different way. Sometimes we make funny faces and do silly things. And small spiders. Oh, God, where did that spider oh, go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, you get to see Jimmy freak out when there's a spider. Uh, you can also check out the awesome animated uh, intro and the segments in the in the video that are made by Jeffrey Palmer. You can find him at LivingCardsMTG on Twitter. And I believe, I believe that's about it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs> Piggity beach. There's a little guys walking across the street. Oh, and then they turn into guys walking. Do, 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 and then they do, turn do, into do, spiders. Do, do, do. Oh, God. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm out. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.